Well, hello and welcome to uh, Healthcare Education is Mission. My name is Logan Banks. I'm really excited to uh, share with you today and to be with you virtually um, at the GMHC this year. And so let's dive in. Um, I want to show you this first picture. Uh, this is the first class of interns at Kibuye Hope Hospital in central Burundi, where I've served since 2016. And this is really the reason why I'm in Burundi. Uh, I am I'm so proud of this group of interns. They're the very first uh, group of interns that we've had there. We started this program about a year ago. And it's just been so great to see them develop as physician healers, as people who know their patients, care about their patients, sacrifice for their patients, pray for their patients. And it's been so fulfilling for me to see the progress they've made over this past year and, and to think about all of the future patients that are going to benefit from their care for years to come in all different parts of Burundi and even beyond. Um, and so uh, that's, uh, that's kind of the 60-second elevator pitch for this talk and for you doing healthcare education as mission uh, because you get to see through your teaching and through the efforts that you're putting in and pouring into these other people uh, how you're multiplying your efforts and how um, they're going to be able to go out and care for so many more people. Um, so the goals of this uh, talk, that we're, the time we're going to spend together, we're going to explore the value of healthcare education as a form of mission experience, both in the short and long term. And I hope to inspire and equip um, you to explore healthcare education opportunities as an answer to God's call to missions. Um, the objectives, we're going to You'll be able to illustrate the importance and discipleship opportunities of healthcare education as a form of ministry. Demonstrate ways your unique skills can be used effectively in healthcare education ministry. And I hope that we can connect uh, here during this time. And then I hope to also connect you with others and give you some resources to explore so that you can equip yourselves um, to serve in this capacity. So uh, just to give a brief introduction on myself and who I am, um, I've been in Burundi since uh, 2016, and I serve on the faculty of, of Hope Africa University. But uh, really, from my story, uh, starts in medical school in Kirksville, Missouri, in uh, 2002 to 2006. And I started taking loans um, at that time, and I'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, but th these were loans from the state of Missouri that were going to tie me to practicing in a rural area in the state of Missouri. So um, we'll come back to that. I did my residency in Springfield, Missouri at Cox uh, Family Medicine Residency and finished there in 2009. And then I did the Via Christi International Family Medicine Fellowship, uh, which is based in Wichita, Kansas. And for part of that time, I was in Wichita and I learned um, extra family medicine skills like dental care, pulling teeth, uh, trauma, uh, burn care, wound care, uh, ultrasound, things like that. I also spent two months um, at the Tropical Medicine course in, in West Virginia, and then I spent about five months overseas at Tinwick Hospital uh, in Kenya. And uh, then I returned to Missouri, and I was fortunate enough, God opened up some doors for me to rejoin the faculty uh, at um, the residency where I just graduated at Cox in Springfield. And uh, this is where that, that loan uh, story comes back. So I really felt a call to missions, obviously. And I knew um, that God wanted us to serve overseas, but I had this loan tying me down to Missouri. And I re remember praying about it. Now, if you break this contract with the state, the interest on this loan is astronomical. So they really, it's really not uh, in your best interest to do that. But I thought maybe that's what God wants me to do. Should I try to break this? Should I try to pay out, you know, buy myself out of this contract? And I really felt the Lord say, you know, Logan, I want you here in Missouri for this time. I'm going to be investing in you. And when it's time for you to go, you'll know. And so uh, this was a five-year commitment. And uh, this position served to, um, as the, as the way to forgive that loan. And then a, a couple years, uh, into this process, 
uh, my wife and I were here at the Global Missions Health Conference when we really felt the Lord saying, okay, now get ready, you know, buckle up. Um, I've got some, I've got something else for you. So be prepared and keep your eyes open. And I, I won't go into all of it, but uh, God led us uh, to uh, join this team in Burundi um, teaching medicine. So by uh, teaching medicine in Missouri for five years, God was really preparing me, giving me some experience that I would use um, on the mission field. Um, and I think we all have unique, um, something unique in our story. God's, God's writing a, a story on each of us and using each of us in his greater story. And so I, I would I just share that to encourage you that God has a story for you that he's writing right now, uh, maybe at this conference. So uh, when I left um, Springfield, we spent a year in France because uh, we had to learn French to speak uh, in Burundi. That's the language of the of the uh, hospital in Burundi. And then we got there in 2016 and we've been living there and teaching there. I'll tell you another story about my very first lecture in uh, in Burundi. This is kind of a horror story. <laughs> um, I, you know, had gotten there, I'd gotten settled in, uh, you know, I'd been there for a few weeks. I had just gotten out of language school um, in France and hadn't really spoken to a lot of people in Burundi yet, but I went up to the hospital and I was giving um, a lecture, um, kind of a didactic lecture. I don't even remember the topic uh, offhand right now, something obstetrical. And so I had given the lecture and asked for questions. And they started asking questions and I could not understand them. I did not, the, the accent was so different and so thick and that my ears could not comprehend what they were asking me in, in French. And I remember just being completely deflated and thinking like, what what am I doing here? Did I just waste an entire year of my life? Should I even be here? Was this a mistake, Lord? Did I really hear this from you? And um, I mean, the Lord showed me that, um, you know, that yes, it, there are going to be bumps along the way and learning curves. And, and basically, I just had to learn that accent. The Burundi French accent is much, much different than the Pair, uh, the, the, the France uh, accent that I learned. And so, um, you know, it was, <laughs> I, I think also it was just a way to put my faith back in him and say, you know, you're the one that's in control. And if, you know, if this is going to work, it's going to be because of you. Um, so I want to just take a moment for all of us to remember why we went into healthcare. So I would love if you would share, if you would just write in the chat, some of the reasons, short reasons, whatever you would like. But I would, I would love for you guys to share a couple um, reasons about why it is that you're, you went into healthcare and, or also uh, why you're maybe interested in missions. Um, so please take a moment to do that uh, while, while I continue. So for me, it was a calling. Um, I knew getting into medicine, uh, going back to uh, starting medical school in Kirksville, that medicine wasn't just a vocation, but it was really a calling on my life from the Lord, and I was going to be using medicine in some way to serve the kingdom. Um, and then going through all my education and uh, opportunities I had along the way, I I found, you know, thinking about missions, that there was a difference between going and doing versus, uh, versus going and teaching. Um, and so... I want us to think about that and explore that, and um, I want to go to the Great Commission uh, because Jesus uses some of this verbiage too. He said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So he has four commands in that verse. He obviously is not saying specifically to teach healthcare. But teaching and discipling um, is definitely a central component of the Great Commission. So I want to use an analogy, um, kind of a watering can analogy. Let's say you're watering your lawn and you have a watering can. You, go, you have to go back to the faucet to fill it up. And then you go and you start sprinkling it on your lawn and you're trying to water your lawn. And you can only sprinkle so much before you've got to go back and fill up the watering can again. Um, 
And let's say, you know, you can water for about four minutes and then you've got to go back to the source, fill it back up, and then you can leave and go out again. And it takes, you know, a minute or two to go back and do that. And so, you know, by the time you, you finish watering, you know, there's parts that have already dried. Um, I've had, I've had mission experiences like this where I felt like the problems that I was seeing, especially short-term missions experiences, were so severe and so deep and so chronic and so systemic that, you know, my short-term trip there felt like I was just dripping water into a huge bucket that was never going to be filled. Um, but I want you to think about if going and teaching, pouring into others, the other national learners that are there, changing the focus of who exactly it is you're serving um, and how that can multiply your efforts. And so I want to change the analogy to hooking up more hoses. Think about plugging in a sprinkler or multiple sprinklers onto your faucet and then letting them loose and how much more quickly you'll be able to water that lawn and maybe other lawns, your neighbor's lawn and the lawn down the street and lawns further away that you had never even thought of. Um, so that's the analogy I want you guys to think about um, going and doing and, and pouring out of yourself what you can versus going and pouring into others and then releasing them and turning on more faucets. Now that takes an investment, that takes some time. And so it looks a little bit like this. Um, like the linear line is if you can go and do, you know, you're gonna have a certain amount of product that you're producing, you're seeing so many patients, you're performing so many surgeries, you know, you're doing this. And, and you know, if you've had students and learners working with you, that takes time. It takes time away from what you could be doing, the service you could be providing. And so there's, um, there's that area under the curve because when you're teaching someone, you can't see as many patients and you can't do as many surgeries. Um, you can't perform as many procedures because you're, you have to move a little slower. So, so the exponential curve starts out flatter. And the area under the curve is the, the extra time it takes to teach. And you might think, I could do so much more if I didn't have a student. I could be seeing so many more patients. Um, I could be pulling so many more teeth. Whatever it is. But that area under the curve is the investment. And then when that starts taking off, um, then you'll see uh, that, I mean, it'll, you know, imagine all of the people that you just trained going out and doing the things that you were the only one doing uh, earlier. Um, so that is the pitch for uh, going into healthcare education. Um, now there's plenty of reasons that people have uh, for not doing that. And I think there's, there, there are certainly hesitancies and there's resistance and sometimes excuses of, you know, okay, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, if you've ever thought about healthcare education as a mission and, and you haven't done it yet, I would love if you would share some of those um, reasons, excuses, re the, the resistance, any ideas you have as to why you think you couldn't do it or, um, yeah, concerns that you have. I would love if you would share some of those, type some of those out in the chat, and we can discuss those. Um, and think about them as we go along. But I will tell you, it'll take more than what you think you have. Um, and I think that's a good thing because I, it, it, I, I, God spoke this to my heart uh, earlier this year. But if you think that you already have what it takes to serve the Lord in missions, then you don't have what it takes. Um, and what I mean by that is God's plan for you is going to require your total dependence on him. He will be using your gifting. I mean, he gives He gives you natural talents and, and giftings. He's going to be using that. But your success in missions isn't going to be dependent on what you're bringing to the table. It's going to be dependent on him. And he's going to use those things, and he's going to use you in ways that you didn't even think were possible. And so one of those ways may be education. If, if education was something you didn't think was possible, God can use that um, for his glory.
So there's someone in the Bible that had uh, some excuses for the Lord. Really, you see it all throughout the Bible. But I want to take a quick look at Moses's responses to the Lord's calling in Exodus 3 and 4. And then we can apply that to teaching. So we're going to go, we're going to uh, skip through the chapters uh, and just focus on what Moses says to the Lord, his responses back to the Lord. The Lord says, uh, well, he sees the burning bush. We'll start there. And he goes over and looks at it. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So the first step of being used by God is a willingness to serve. The first step is a willingness to serve. And I would guess that most of you at this conference have already gotten to this point, um, or at least you're interested in exploring that point. So if you're not all the way there, I would encourage you to continue to seek the Lord in this area and say, God, here I am. Um, and then think about what that might mean in the aspect of teaching. Um, you know, say, God, I've maybe I've never done this before, but here I am. Use me. Now, uh, later on, so, so God tells Moses, okay, I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh. You're going to free my people. Um, but, and so he tells him the whole thing is going to happen. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? So who is Moses focused on? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? He's focused on himself. And if the success of your mission is more dependent on you than it is on God, then you're doing it wrong. Um, if the success of your mission is more dependent on you than it is on God, you're doing it wrong. God is glorified when he shows up and uses weak vessels such as ourselves who are inadequate with all of our failures to do his work. He invites us to be a part of that because that means that all the glory belongs to him. And so what is God's response um, to Moses when, when he says this? God says, I will be with you. Moses says, you know, um, who am I that I should go and do this? And God says, I will be with you. And that's what he's telling us too. So then right after that, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Or what shall I say to them? In other words, uh, can I trust you, God? Who who are you? You know, he has he has doubts. And, and doubts aren't necessarily a bad thing. Doubts mean that you're right next to a breakthrough. Now, you don't want to spend all your time doubting. And the, and the Bible talks about one who doubts being tossed about like a wave on the sea. So I, I don't want to glorify doubting for sure. But it's something that happens to all of us. And, and really, all the best characters in the Bible had doubts too. Abraham, when the Lord told him he would become a father at the age of 100, you know, he didn't believe him. He was laughing about it. Moses, of course, in this story. Um, Gideon, you know, putting out the fleece over and over and over. Uh, John the Baptist, who knew, you know, he knew Jesus was God's son. He saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus. He pointed him out, you know, as he was walking and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I mean, even in the womb, uh, when he was in Elizabeth's womb and she visits Mary and, you know, he's jumping and kicking in the womb because he knew who Jesus was, but he still sent his disciples to ask him in Matthew 11, are you the one who is to come or should we be looking for another? Um, so, Everyone has doubts, um, and doubts mean that you are believing in things. At least you're attempting to believe in things that go way beyond you and way beyond your own strength. So doubts happen. They happened in the Bible. They happen to us, um, but it comes down to what we do with them. And they can serve a purpose if they drive us closer to God, seeking him and trusting him. If it's, and, and we use those doubts because they help grow our faith. We take that to God and we, God will use that to help us grow and to trust in him even more. Um, and then the next time things come around, we know, we, we, we have the experience of God being with us and we know uh, what the next steps will look like. And we know, you know, walking by faith is, is, is a challenge. But if it's only a man-sized faith that we're clinging on to, then when that pressure builds, that faith will crack and break up. 
And so here Moses is saying, who are you, God? Can I trust you? Um, and God's response to Moses here is, you know, Moses says, who, who am I to say um, sent me, basically? And God says, I am who I am. Um, and that's just a really powerful, deep answer that God is. He is the one. He is the answer. He'll be with us. Um, but still, Moses had doubts. <laughs> and he, uh, later on, Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. In other words, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> I don't have what it takes. And so if you feel like this, um, can I just say you're right? <laughs> you're right. Uh, you don't have what it takes. You can't do this in your own strength. But what does God say to Moses? His answer to Moses is, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. You don't have what it takes, and I don't have what it takes, but you take what you have, and you turn it over to God, and then you get to watch him perform miracles. So what is that in your hand? God is asking you that right now. What is that in your hand? Maybe it's your nursing background, or physical therapy, orthopedics, maybe it's surgery, pediatrics, family medicine, ophthalmology, dentistry. I mean, it could be anything. You see, what's in your hand right now is not nearly as important as what God can do with it. So for Moses, it was a staff, literally just a stick. But when he gives it to God, he uses it to perform miracle after miracle. He turns it into a snake. Uh, he uses it to turn the Nile River into blood. He uses it to call down plagues, and he uses it all throughout Moses' ministry. He even wraps a snake around it and holds it up, and when people look at it, you know, they're healed from, uh, from this deadly disease that was going through the camp. And that now is the symbol for medicine, uh, interestingly. So whatever your staff is, God can use it. Um, and God's been preparing you. Um, you know, Moses had picked up that staff somewhere. He had it with him. He'd been using it. Uh, but then when he turns it over to the Lord, he, it really becomes miraculous. Uh, the next uh, exchange that Moses has with the Lord um, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. In other words, I'm just full of excuses, God. <laughs> I just don't have the words to do this. And I think that this excuse um, particularly might apply in the, in the way of education because you'll be talking to your national colleagues. You'll be talking to your learners. Um, and really, that's a unique opportunity for discipleship uh, that if you, you know, have, just go into an area and are performing a procedure or whatever it is, I mean, the, 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 chance, the, the, the chances for discipleship and mentoring that are just natural, that naturally develop in, in teaching relationships um, are, are amazing. And so while there are, um, there are techniques and strategies and skills that can be learned to help anyone develop as a teacher, and I'm going to go into some of those later on, but I find even more comfort in God's response to Moses. Um, because you might say, I don't have the words, but God says, you don't have to. Um, God said to Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. 
So that is God's response to Moses. Um, and then the very um, final exchange that they have in this chapter, Moses says, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> um, if anyone has struggled with, uh, you know, a calling from the Lord, uh, then they can maybe say amen to that. But I would say be careful because at this point in the chapter, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And it's as if God wanted to kill Moses. Um, and I wouldn't, I would encourage you not to press the Lord that much. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know what he does? Actually, um, you know, so Aaron then shows up and he says, you know what, you're going to take Aaron with you. And I think there is some wisdom in that, um, in not going alone um, and not trying to do this all on your own, but going with someone who shares your vision and who will be able to encourage you. Um, and you, you'll have some mutual support. So I think that really God provided this amazing answer to Moses in the form of his brother Aaron. So those are the excuses of Moses and how they might apply to um, the calling of teaching and medical education as a form of mission. Uh, so I'll go through um, them one more time real briefly. Moses said, here I am. So step number one is willingness. Then Moses said, who am I? Uh, so the second step is that uh, the success of our mission has to be more dependent on God than it is on us. And then Moses says, well, who am I going to say, um, you know, sent me? What is his name? In other words, uh, doubts. Doubts mean that you're right next to a breakthrough. If you're if you're unsure, continue trusting in the Lord, believing in Him, and and, and praying about it, at least attempting. And and the reason is because it takes more faith than we have, and God's going to stretch our faith and grow our faith. These things are going beyond us and beyond our own strength. And then Moses says, "Well, they're not going to listen to me. Um, they won't believe me." And God says, "What is in your hand?" And he's asking us that. Use what's in your hand. Um, whatever it is, God can take that and use it for his glory. And then Moses says, well, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. Um, and God says, if you don't have the words, um, I do. I'll put the words in your mouth. I will teach you what to say. And then finally, just please send somebody else. <laughs> And uh, even though that, you know, the Lord, his, his anger was kindled, he did answer that, um, that response by sending his brother Aaron with him. And I think having a partner in this, and I, I don't, I'm not in Burundi on my own. There are about 10 other specialist doctors that were part of uh, the medical school teaching faculty at this uh, clinical teaching site at Kibuye. I don't think I would be there on my own. Um, I, and I wouldn't recommend it uh, because uh, it would be overwhelming and it would be, uh, you know, just the amount of work, even for all of all of us that are there. We have a good sized team. When, when all of our team is there together, um, there's about 50 uh, um, expats, including, you know, spouses and kids and families. And, and there's missionary teachers uh, that are there to help um, teach uh, the, the kids on the compound. So it takes a whole community. And I, I think really part of the, I mean, God's called us to missions. It's not just to um, the people of Burundi, although there, that is a big part of it, you know, providing health care in, in his name. Uh, and it's not just to the learners and the interns that I showed you that picture of, uh, but it's also to each other, to, to live in a community um, where you you know, you, you live so closely with these people, you're, you're like family. And so these are my kids, uncles and aunts, and you have to die to self regularly. You have to 
forgive someone regularly, you have to ask for forgiveness regularly, which is even harder. Um, and so that really is a, is a huge part of the missional life, is living in community like that. And I wouldn't uh, trade that, to be honest. That's a huge part of answering God's call. Um, and that's not focused on education. That's going to be, you know, wherever you are in missions. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, so there's a myth that teaching is innate. And some people have that gift and some don't. And I want you to know that that's not true. And that teaching is a skill. And that it is a skill that can be learned just like a medical procedure. Um, and so there are resources out there. And there are ways that you can improve as an educator and and there are there are different levels there are some very simple skills that you can take when you go and then there i mean you can base whole careers on it one of our um, partners and one of my teammates in burundi is is uh, just just got her master's in in medical education so you can you know just learn a few skills you can dedicate like a whole other career and a professional development to mastering this um, but it isn't just something that some people have and some people don't. Um, if you feel like you're not a, a gifted teacher, that's okay. And I would say God uses us sometimes in areas where we're not gifted on purpose um, because he wants us to grow and because he wants to be the one who gets the glory, who says, you know, we, 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 we won't brag about the things that we're not naturally good at. Um, but if, if it's something that is already, you know, we have a proclivity towards something, then we can feel like, oh, well, it was because of what I, I you know, I did that. Um, and so uh, I'm not a gifted educator by any means, but I do feel that calling. And I feel like God gave me that calling and is with me um during that and he's he's the one who's blessing um the the teaching exchanges that i have you know i told you after that first lecture i i i could not really under, understand the students questions um and it was a challenge and it and it it's still challenging uh, i can understand their questions but it doesn't mean it's it's less challenging it's, it's challenging in a different way but i do want to go over some of the resources that are available um, and I want to point you to a, a few other organizations that you can go and talk to um, and explore these ideas. So uh, for people interested in teaching surgery, I would point to the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons. And I'm sure they'll have a virtual booth here at the conference. Um, and so go and talk to them. Uh, and they are always looking for surgeons to teach in these mission hospitals all over Africa to, um, to help bring up the next generation of African surgeons. And likewise, um, the Christian Academy of African Physicians is a much newer organization, um, but uh, I'm sure they'll be around virtually at this conference. And they are um, doing a very similar thing, but promoting uh, family medicine residency development in Africa. CMDA also has a, a short-term arm, a short-term group called Medical Education International. They take short-term uh, educational trips. And so you could uh, talk to them. I'm sure they'll have a virtual booth here as well, and they would love to talk to you and get you signed up. I'm not sure, um, you know, with, with COVID and everything the way it is right now, what the short-term travel situation is like. Um, but uh, they, you know, that, that's getting into the, the minutiae and the details. God will take care of, of all of that. But he's asking you to be willing. He's asking you to take the next step. And so if you feel like that is uh, the next step for you, then I would encourage you to do it. I put here also the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. And um, that's not a Christian organization, and I'm sure they don't have a booth here. Uh, but that is, they're actually a branch of the American Academy of Family Practice. And um, I am a member of that because I was uh, on faculty and I'm still an adjunct faculty at the Cox Family Medicine Residency. And I'm still a member of STFM. And they have a lot of good resources. Uh, and they're like residency resources for, for lectures, for curriculum, 
those kinds of things. So there, what I want you to know, and I'm sure other specialties have societies like this, that there are resources out there that will help equip you and prepare you. Um, you know, God doesn't um, call the equipped, but he does equip the called. And so uh, he will do that uh, for you as well. And one simple one that you could look at and study and start using tomorrow is called the One Minute Preceptor. Um, and I won't go into it, but basically it's when you're attending, uh, I mean, I won't go into it completely in detail, but I'll, I'll give you an overview. When you're uh, precepting in clinic, uh, or even when you're seeing patients with someone, you can assess what your learner knows, you can get them to commit to what they think might be going on, and then you can sprinkle, you know, just a little bit of of, of, of knowledge and guidance and wisdom that you've, that you know, and have gleaned and help and share that with them, just share with them your thought processes. And it takes no time at all. And you can do that uh, as part of your just daily routine. So that's something you can look up. And then there are books out there as well. Um, I just mentioned these uh, two because these are two that I have, but there's, there are dozens, if not more. Um, but uh, the Essential Handbook for GP Training. This is a, a book that's based in the in the U, kind of on the UK uh, system of education. And then there's a teaching medicine series um, by the American College of Physicians uh, that um, again can get you know there's about I think seven books in that series, and there's you know like outpatient teaching, bedside rounds, you know procedural teaching, different aspects, some more academic than others, some more practical. Um, but I just want you to know that there are resources out there uh, for you. Um, I think that one of the most um, exciting parts about teaching, though, is it's not just the transferring the skills, but it's the opportunity for uh, evangelism and discipleship. You know, not all of the medical students in Burundi are believers um, at, at this medical school. They're not all Christian. Um, there are... Um, Muslims, there are atheists uh, that um, get into this medical school. And so the mission field that I'm serving in Burundi is not just the patients that I'm seeing at the hospital, um, although that's still a big part of it, uh, you know, caring for the underserved uh, and the, the poor and the needy patients that are there that need health care. Um, but my mission field is primarily the students and the young doctors that I'm around every day. I have the opportunity to not only teach them good medicine, um, but to be a Christian mentor, to encourage them in their walk, and to model what does it really look like to practice medicine as a Christian. Um, you know, in medical education, I'll throw this out there too, this can open doors into otherwise closed countries. Um, there are opportunities to get into uh, closed areas using medical education. So um, I want to mention that. Now in Burundi, we're able to openly discuss you know, these issues. There's not that kind of issue there. In fact, we have um, weekly Bible studies with the medical students, um, as well as the interns and other doctors at the hospital. For the medical students, we take them through um, the Sonship curriculum that uh, Surge uh, puts on. Surge is my uh, mission organization, and it's a great uh, curriculum that is just so, it just is central gospel truths. Um, and so even uh, Christians, as they go through the course, and even myself, you know, assumptions that I had made about, about the gospel and about my own salvation I mean, you just kind of like it really, really examines it all the way down to the core depths. Um, and it's really just eye-opening and really deepens your walk with the Lord. And so we go through that study with the medical students. Um, and we read um, books with, with uh, the interns and the other doctors at the hospital are invited to be a part of this. Where we explore, um, yeah, difficult patient situations, um, where is the Lord at when difficult things happen. Uh, one of the books that we uh, were reading last year um, 
It's called Promises in the Dark, uh, written by one of my teammates, Eric McLaughlin. And so that book, um, it's, it's a great uh, book. It's just uh, an encouragement and uh, just um, a way that um, to use scripture and to use, uh, you know, the difficult experiences of, of international medicine uh, to explore the gospel and explore where God is at in times of suffering. Um, but then to use that as a jumping off point to talk to these interns and other doctors. And then you realize how much more they really know about uh, some of these issues than you do, than you, you know, than you thought would even be possible. Um, so there's really some great conversations that come out of that. And it's, um, it's one of the most treasured times um, I have um, teaching there. And so I, I want to share one last um, illustration is kind of to, to illustrate that point. So we had a patient uh, in the ER uh, at Kibuye Hope Hospital, um, and this was a couple months back, and they were just terminal. You could just tell. And some, you know, we don't have the capacity to come to a final conclusive diagnosis 100% of the time, um, but whether it was from tuberculosis or type of cancer or, you know, leukemia or, or whatever it was, this patient, you could just tell by looking at them, they were cachectic and they were not long for this world. And so I had, uh, I was working in the ER at that time. I consulted one of my internal medicine colleagues, one of my surgical colleagues. There were some medical students working with me as well, but um, these uh, specialists were standing around talking and we're talking about, okay, well, what could be done? What, you know, what about this? And what if we explore this? And, um, you know, really, I, I just realized what this patient needs most of all is the Lord. He needs to know the Lord. And um, it doesn't sound like anything that we're going to be able to do is going to save his life. But he needs to know where he's going to spend eternity. And so I had that realization come over me. And I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I can't have this conversation in Kirundi, but maybe one of the medical students could. And I turn and look, and the medical students were already by his bedside praying with him. And they had led him to the Lord already. And they had, they knew that need. They were already there meeting that need before I even thought of it. And... <laughs> It just touched me, um, and and it was like an answer to prayer, like knowing, okay, that you know they they get it, they get it. If you've passed on anything, um, if you've passed on that they need to share the gospel with these people, um, then you're you're doing it, and uh, that was. Um, just such a touching moment, and I was so proud of them, and I'm so thankful that this man was able to meet Jesus before he died. Um, so uh, I'll go over the key takeaways uh, just one last time. Don't just take your watering can, but go hook up more hoses. And um, God's plans for you are going to require your dependence on him. And if you feel nervous um, about stepping out and serving God in this way by teaching, uh, then you're doing it right because that's how you're supposed to feel. Um, and remember, if you if you think you've already got what it takes to serve the Lord, then you don't have what it takes. Um, and also, just think about what's that in your hand. Um, take what you have, give it to the Lord, and He'll use it uh, for His glory. And so I'll end with this slide as well. Um, because this is going to be the next generation. My hope, our hope in Burundi is, uh, after starting this internship, is to start residencies. We would love to see surgical residency and family medicine residency start. And then we would love to recruit um, some ins aspiring young faculty members uh, that are Burundian to come on. And hopefully one day um, they would help, um, yeah, take over uh, the, the residency program. That would be um, an answer to prayer for me to see 
them come full circle and now they're running the program. Um, so uh, I want to encourage you. Um, thank you for attending this talk. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, um, we're here in the chat. We can be uh, chatting. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the time at this conference. Hope that God blesses you in your walk as you follow him. And I uh, look forward to yeah, talking with you and hopefully in the future meeting with you in person. Uh, God bless you.